When hipsters creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the food carts, whenever bike reflectors flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when Portland's ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Kick-Ass Oregon History. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the dead history folks at ORHistory.com. We profile only the most badass, decapitating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon death, death, death and death, and earth-shattering, devastating death. Basically, the dead stuff. Kick-Ass Oregon History is a presentation of ORHistory.com and is supported by corpses like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit ORHistory.com and click Donate. Sadly, Portland has a reputation as a center for the sex trade. It is a not-so-pleasant skeleton in our beautiful city's closet. And a few of those sex industry skeletons are just that. The horribly mutilated, stinking corpses of some of the city's storied sex workers and restless spirits that some maintain are continuing to ply their trade from beyond the grave. Listener, beware! There may be some yarns and stretches of half-truths contained herein, but what ghost story isn't pregnant with such transparencies? If you don't like it, dear ass kicker, I'm sure there's a corn maze you can wander into so that you may rest in peace. <laughs> Our tour begins here, at one of the most haunted establishments in the City of Roses, or so some say, the White Eagle. The White Eagle started pouring liquor in 1905 under the name B. Sobolewski and Company Saloon. The beer hall was operated by two Polish immigrants, Barney Sobolewski and William Hruszko. 
to offer other Poles a friendly place to gather and chat and drink. Oh, and fight. Fisticuffs and brutal bar brawls emerged of such legendary proportions that Sobolewski and company soon began to be referred to as the Bucket of Blood. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> the Bucket of Blood. The McMinimins brothers today operate a small hotel out of the White Eagle, and the lodging rooms are upstairs from the bar. This was the location of the brothel, or at least one of the brothels. Legend has it that the little upstairs rooms contained the white girls of the establishment, and air quote, colored and Asian girls were operating in the basement with a fucking opium den to boot. And just to evidently strengthen the historical connection of the establishment with Portland's past, there is a supposed Shanghai tunnel entrance in the basement that leads to the river, even though the bullshitting location of said tunnels is on the other side of the Willamette. This is the reported location of where the Chinese and black whores were kept in absolute appalling squalor. It has been stated in some sources that children born to these women were delivered in this dark den and were immediately disposed of. Dead whore ghost babies, anyone? Part brothel, part opium den, a Shanghai tunnel, delivery room, baby cemetery, and it appears that when the prostitutes themselves became too old to be effective at their trade, they too were disposed of in this dank basement. Their ghosts and their baby's ghosts supposedly still haunt the subterranean storerooms of the White Eagle. I don't know about you, ass kicker, but we will not be popping down into the White Eagle's basement for tater tots anytime soon. Now, upstairs, on the second floor, is where the White Eagle girls worked their trade. And while the non-white girls molder, forgotten in the basement, pearly white Portland remembers its own. We have a name associated with the dead whore white girl. Rose was a proper upstairs white whore, and one of her regulars fell in love with her and begged her to leave the Polish brothel. She refused. In a fit of rage, the John stabbed her to death. Eternally haunting the denizens of the White Eagle, some claim to hear Rose's sobbing and wailing to this day. Other paranormal activities includes old coins appearing out of thin air, some invisible groping hands, and an unseen phantom that flushes the toilet. 
Apparently the staff, thinking nothing as paranormal as a dead whore ghost, but more akin to mundane broken toilet, had the shitter fixed. And it still flushed on its own. So, the next time you're looking for some fries, a malted beverage, and a groping ghost or two, and a hands-free shitter, head over to the White Eagle. Just don't get too fuckered up. There's an entrance to the Shanghai Tunnels in the basement. In the mood for some shitty pizza, but really good dead whore ghost provenance, head on over to Old Town Pizza Company, and you'll find both in spades. Old Town Pizza is kind of a ground zero for the Shanghai Tunnel bullshitting, and it's also the home of a pretty famous Portland ghost whore, or whore ghost. Either way, she's dead and she was a whore. The building was formerly the Merchant Hotel, which supposedly had a fairly rich clientele and also ran whores. In 1900, a girl named Nina was apparently a victim of this rich trade, which was termed white slavery, and she had decided that she would tell some missionaries about this operation. The Jesus-loving proselytizers promised Nina safety and security for her story. But alas, they were unable to spirit her away from the evil clutches of her captors soon enough. Just a short time after sharing her story, Nina was found dead after being thrown down the elevator shaft of the Merchant Hotel. Paranormal investigators Hearty enough to brave the piss-poor pizza at this bafflingly still-open establishment, will find that Nina has her name inscribed on a brick at the pizzeria, and there is also a portrait hanging of her. There is a booth with attribution to the dead whore ghost, and you can sit in it and revel in the ghoulishness while you eat terrible pizza. Nina is often described as either a white ghost or a lady attired in a black Victorian dress. Sometimes she can be glimpsed on the restaurant's balcony, or a faint hint of her perfume can be whiffed. In 2007, a woman who had lived in the hotel as a child in the mid-1930s recounted her experience of being awakened one morning by an unknown woman going through her dresser drawers. After a while, the mysterious woman disappeared. Old Town Pizza Company, home to one of Portland's most famous dead whore ghosts. Leaving our Portland geographic boundary just a bit, we take a venture down to the father of Oregon, Dr. John McLaughlin's house. No. Not the one on the Couve side, dude. His Oregon home in Oregon City. While the apparitions are not absolutely attributable to a specific person, nonetheless, there have been ghostly phantasms and paranormal prowlings at this National Historic Site for some time. Some claim 
that the ghost of Dr. John himself walks through the house with very heavy footsteps, a giant of a man. This specter can be seen ducking through doorways, and at times his favorite rocking chair creaks back and forth. Some have claimed to have seen a woman standing in the window of the home. There is some speculation that this could be Dr. John's wife, Margaret. But the house changed hands a few times after his death and became a whorehouse in 1886. Eventually, it was moved from its original location by the river in 1909. So, Mrs. McLaughlin? Dead whores? Or just creaky secondary foundation beams? We'll let you experience the stomping ground and form your own conclusions, dear ass kicker. Our final resting place is not a confirmed ghost haunt, but high on our list of probable Phantasm Portland placements. Just across from Union Jacks on East Burnside is a no-tell motel called the East Side Lodge that may indeed contain a dead whore ghost. On March 1st, 1970, 20-year-old Ella Lewis was found dead of traumatic asphyxiation in a bed at the Travelodge Motel. She had been seen in the company of one Donald Ware, aged 45, a paper mill foreman from Longview, Washington. Ware admitted that he had engaged in the services of Portland prostitutes from time to time, and had even consorted with the deceased on several other occasions, but maintained that he did not kill her. But Mr. Ware could not confirm his whereabouts on the evening of February 28th. He recalled that he listened to the Portland Buckaroo hockey game on the radio, and incidentally, is that not the most homoerotic sport team name ever to emerge from Portland? But Ware didn't remember if he was listening to the game in Longview or in Portland, a point of confusion that we've experienced several times as well. Another prostitute had said that she'd seen Lewis get into Ware's car, but testimony in the case was spotty and contradictory. The district attorney had had a hard time establishing motive, and of course, creepy dude, creepy dude, is the one that's going off in our minds. Eventually Ware was acquitted, and we hope that the ghost of Ella Lewis was able to find some eternal peace in the process. But just in case she wasn't, dear ass kicker, do keep the travel lodge in mind the next time you and your honey are looking for a hot, historic nooner location. When I think of all the ghost stories that we have in the Beaver State, the stories of prostitutes are always the most tragic. In talking about the dead whores of Portland, it is absolutely a sardonic take on the modern dead whore joke genre. Because just like today, in the 1880s to early 1900s, or even the 1970s like our no-tell motel story, these women and other sex workers were given very little value by society. They were and are seen as expendable. 
And very, very unfortunately, the torturing or killing of a prostitute is almost perceived as an almost victimless crime. Families of the victim are not talked about, nor the effects the killing has had on other sex workers. It's just a dead whore. It's just another byline in the paper, buried behind the blazer scores and a flashback piece on the Portland buckaroos. And when we examine the history, sadly, we see that not much has changed for the Portland sex worker in the last 130 years. So on this Halloween, let us remember the whores of yore. Let us tip a glass to those famous women, Liverpool Liz, Nancy Boggs, and Boneyard Mary. Let us revel in these tawdry ladies of Portland's past and embrace the whorish legacy that they've left upon our city. But let us also not forget the less glamorous, less celebrated, the ghosts of the working ladies of Portland's past too. Let us recall those women that, for whatever reason, were unable to completely leave our realm, unable to fully let go and head on to that happier place in the universe. Let us also toast the ghosts of Portland's dead whores and hope that someday soon they can get the closure they deserve and finally leave the City of Roses and mediocre pizzerias once and for all. Making the tombstones quake. Spooks come up for swing and wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook makes it by your side. Shrouded in a darkish hide. They pretend to terrorize. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kank Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-Ass Oregon History is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kick-Ass Oregon History in your life? Learn more at orhistory.com. Just... Don't get too close to Mr. Kank Crispin, or he will murder you and bury you in his basement. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Green grinning ghosts come out to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, weirdos gleam where the spirits dwell. Restless bones etherealized, rises spooks of every size. Oh, yes, they do. When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks does not for swing and wake. Happy haunts with chaos, and begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Try to hide on a silly spook, take it by your side. Shrouded in the sky, they pretend to terrorize. Grim, we know, stop to socialize. Ooh.
climbs high over dead oak trees, looks at the rifle in that street. Coolie recruits with the eyes, start to shoot him hard all night, and then goes far to socialize. When you hear the bell of a rifle bell, here goes the whistle as well. Rush to sponge it, get him right, rises from south every side. orhistory.com